Chapter 6. The Bar I still remember the first time I met Robert Mitchell, or as we like to call him, Doc. Let me tell you something about Doc. When I met him, Doc was an established surgeon in his late 50s. His weightlifting resume was as good as they came. He had produced multiple international level athletes and he too was an Australian representative in the sport. As a person, he was a bit of a prick. When I first met him, I was taken aback by how little he cared. I shook his hand and he nodded at me. My name is Robert Mitchell and I bet you'll fall on your ass on the first day. As a 19 year old, I did not appreciate his personality. I thought he was abrasive, offensive and rude. I did not perceive him to be a nurturing coach. There were some days when I just felt he wasn't even paying attention to many of us, only his favourite lifters. I would often come to the gym prepared to be uncomfortable in his presence. In particular, I disliked his sarcastic manner towards the, towards the lifters with injuries. I honestly couldn't tolerate him. So, I left. That was six years ago. As I started to work with more people on a personal level, I learned that each individual has their own unique perspective. And I myself have my own perspective. Because of our perspectives, sometimes we may be applying our perspective to situations and people, creating judgments that are unjust. So, once I really began to understand myself, my views began to shift. I had this perception of what a good coach should be like, that is, caring, supportive, warm, and I applied this to Doc. He wasn't those things, initially. In particular, I learned to let go of my perception of what a good coach should be like and simply practice acceptance. I decided to train under Doc's wing again in 2017. That time, I accepted Doc for who he was. He is cynical, sarcastic, and brutally honest. But he is also kind, giving, and nurturing to his lifters in his own way, if you are able to see it. Why? He coaches for free. The only money he asks of us is to cover the rent for the gym space. He always makes time to be there for us, even though he could be earning a sizable income with his profession. And for me, his most admirable quality is he always keeps his word. This personal observation of mine sums up Doc's character perfectly. He is a surgeon and a very successful one at that. Let's be real. He makes good coin. He could be operating well into the night on weekdays, but he doesn't. He chooses to leave his job early so that he can watch us train. He doesn't actually make any money from running the gym. In fact, as a financial investment, it is probably the worst thing he has. And yet, I have never heard him blame us even once. He has never used it as leverage over us like we owe it to him. Not once. Unless he is ill or there is an emergency, I can count on Doc to be there at 5.30pm sharp. He always says to me, If you bust your ass for me, I will bust my ass for you. And he holds true to those words. We are great mates now and I cherish our relationship. It was the strength in our relationship that gave me absolute trust in his plan for me. 
I just had to turn up, listen, and lift. Anyway, back to the weightlifting. In 2012, I held the weightlifting bar for the first time. It just felt right. As cheesy as this sounds, I felt connected with the bar. It was, all, it, was also, it was almost like all I had to do was think of what I'd like the bar to do and my body would make it happen. Within the first month, I was addicted. If you had asked me whether I ever dreamed of representing Australia at this stage, I would have said yes. If you had asked whether I think I could represent Australia, I would have given you a resounding no. Why are we so quick to doubt ourselves? Representing Australia is for special people, and that wasn't me. I started training frequently, and within a month, I had improved more than I anticipated. After one month of training, I had snatched 60 kilos and clean and jerked 80 kilos. At that time, I weighed about 62 kilos. I was lifting heavier weights than people who had been training for a few months. However, my left knee began to hurt. Being an egotistical 19-year-old, I decided to push through the pain and refused to see a physiotherapist. Within the next few months, my knee pain got to the point where I could not comfortably bend my knee. I quit weightlifting. I later found out that I had patellar tendinopathy and this would become my special interest later in my career as a physiotherapist. Quitting was hard. I loved weightlifting. There was no movement like it especially the snatch. Whenever I hit a nice snatch, I felt like my body was unstoppable. But now, my body was the very thing that was stopping me. I would rest a week until my knee pain went away and then try again at the gym, only to have the symptoms come back the next day. This debilitating cycle would go on for some time. Side note here, completely off the cuff, uh, if anyone wants to ask me anything about patellar tendinopathy or any tendinopathy for that nature, feel free to do so. I usually talk about it for free anyway. It's, my main thing is I just want people to not have it in the first place, but also if you have it, you actually can continue training. Don't miss out on almost two years of training because of this injury like I did. Anyway, back to the book. Although I was on the sideline with injury, I still could not stop thinking about weightlifting. I would constantly practice with a stick, replicating the feeling of the movement. During my study breaks, I would rehearse how it felt in my head. I had this constant itch that I needed to scratch. I was disappointed. It was so strange. It was only weightlifting, but it felt like a part of me was missing. I'm pretty sure this is what addicts feel. But hey, weightlifting is more socially acceptable than smoking, right? My girlfriend, Jane, was infinitely supportive at this time as she saw how much I enjoyed it. She would encourage me to find new ways of rehabilitation, to see a physiotherapist and still continue training and be positive. After two years on and off training, I finally recovered from my patellar tendinopathy and began training again in late 2014. Just as I had returned for a month, Two of my good friends started training with a new club called Zubin Weightlifting Club. They invited me along and their relationship formed between Ali, who was the head coach, and myself was akin to father and son. This period of training was instrumental in really developing the belief that I could be a good weightlifter. 
Ali was originally from Iran. He was a product of the Iranian weightlifting system. He was an Olympian as well as a multiple Iranian national champion, which is a big deal because their competition is so tough. He was a three-time champion of the Asian Games, which is one of the strongest competitions in the world since it is of the same caliber as the Olympic Games. So basically, just a really fucking good weightlifter. But that's not all that he was. To me, not only was Ali a world-class athlete and a former Olympian, but also a man with amazing character. He never boasted about his achievements. He was always humble and wanted the best for us. He reminded me constantly that education should always come first. From day one of working with Coach Ali, he always believed that I would be a champion. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? When a former, cha- a former Olympian tells you that he believes you could be a champion, he probably knows what he's talking about, right? But I didn't believe him. Sport is just play, I remembered. And besides, I'm going to university, weightlifting was just a hobby. I couldn't be a champion. I never saw myself that way at all. Of course, I felt validation for my skills as a weightlifter and it did boost my self-confidence, but not to the point where I actually thought I could be a champion. Why? Lingering B-plus mentality. Training under Ali was tough. His programs were were relentless and forced you to be better. I dedicated myself to training, taking breaks only during exam period. I simply love training and constant improvement. I love training with my team. I love fighting through the blood and sweat with them. I had amazing training partners and we fed off each other's energy. At the Dragon's Head, we had our father-like coach, Ali, who invested his time and energy into us. And we reciprocated. When you see yourself constantly improve, you realize that growth is really fucking addictive. When you are improving week by week, kilo by kilo, rep by rep, you develop an appreciation for the process so much more. I entertained the idea many times that I take it more seriously in the form of competition. After a few months of training with Ali, he he suggested that I try a competition. On the 26th of April in 2015, I began officially competing for Zubin Weightlifting Club. Making this decision was hard. I started to doubt myself even before I signed up for a competition. Am I good enough? What if I perform badly? What would my coach think? I don't want to let anyone down. I felt overwhelming anxiety leading into the competition. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I did not want to feel incompetent. I did not want to put myself out there because it made me feel vulnerable. And I hated feeling vulnerable.